This is the podcast for Mid-City Vineyard Church. My name is Brian. My wife, Christy, and I pastor Mid-City Vineyard. We're located right here in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. If you want to learn more about Mid-City Vineyard, check us out online, midcityvineyard.org, Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church, also on Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard. Uh, During this season of Lent, we are in the middle of a series entitled, To Change the World, Lessons in Presence. For this particular week, we titled this uh, teaching, People of Presence, and what does it really look like to become aware of the presence of God in our everyday lives, and what does it look like to cooperate with and and, uh, even awaken others to the presence of God wherever we are at any given time. Thanks for checking us out. Much peace to you during this beautiful Lent season. So, are, are you familiar with this passage? Where, you know, what, what most happens for Christians is that we become overly familiar with the part about where Peter says, Now I urge you, beloved, as aliens and as strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts that wage war against your soul. Keep, keep your behavior so excellent and on and on and on. And, and, and what, it, what I find has happened traditionally is that Many Christians have taken this, taken this passage as, you know, we are, we are aliens, meaning that we don't actually belong here. And we're, we're, in, this, we're in, the, in this obscure place, in this obscure setting, but, but our true home is, is often this, this heavenly realm. You know, and so we don't belong here, and we're just trying. That's why you hear a lot of times in Christian songs and, and, and on Christian t-shirts and things like that, you know, this is not my home, I'm just waiting to get, waiting to get home. I would like to push back against that a little bit, or completely, um, because I, I don't think that that is what Peter is actually saying here. And and so this is what we're going. To, this is what we started last week, and we're going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks. I strongly encourage you, if you if you weren't with us last week, you can check out the podcast because we started a new, a new series last week called "To Change the World: Lessons in Presence." And as followers of Jesus, as followers of the resurrected Jesus, you and I are invited to live the life of the future, the, the, place where, the place where life is as it's intended to be, the kingdom of heaven. We're invited to live that life here and now in this present place and space. This is, this is what God has invited us to do. The truth of the matter is, is that from the very beginning, human beings were always created to live and dwell right here on earth. And like when God created the, the planet, he created human beings and he placed human beings where? On earth. I mean, this, this, is, this is our home. This is, this is what God's doing. Uh, when God created in Genesis 1, God goes through the whole thing. And he says, this is good. This is good. This is good. Like, what I'm creating is good. God's basically saying in a very non-arrogant way, like, I'm amazing, and what I'm creating is amazing. And, and, and you guys, I'm going to create you, and you're amazing, and you're going to reflect me, and you're going to dwell right here, and it's, it's going to be beautiful. And, and, and things kind of, you know, human beings made some choices along the way, and things got a little bit distorted along the way, but God's always in the process of reconciling that and restoring that and redeeming that so that 
his plans can continue to move forward. But what Jesus has done is he has come and he said, listen, the kingdom of God is here. And now I want you, a people, to reflect my beauty, reflect my glory, dwell here. But when you do it now, this is where Peter's going. He says, when you do it, though, do it as as aliens, so to speak. Uh, Okay, so slightly confusing. What does that mean? Consider for a second if you were to... um, if you were to move from New Orleans to Cleveland, <laughs> now you would never do that, of course. Um, but if you were to move from New Orleans to Cleveland, and, and then you were told when you get to Cleveland, learn to understand Cleveland, learn to understand Cleveland's culture, learn to understand what's going on in Cleveland, but do not get sucked into the way people do things in Cleveland. Because you're a New Orleanian. And so when you're in Cleveland, make sure that you, you integrate within and into the, the culture of Cleveland. Make sure that you introduce people to what it is to have crawfish boils. And make sure that you, you wear your, your Drew Brees jersey. Don't, don't sell out to the Browns. You don't want to do that. That's not good. That's, that's bad. You know, and, and make sure that, that during, uh, during uh, the February-March season that you, you enjoy king cake and you bring king cake to Cleveland. You, it's, it's, what, what we want you to do is you're, you're an alien in Cleveland. And that doesn't mean that, that, that all things, uh, you know, that you can't be a part of some of the things that they're doing in Cleveland. But what we're really saying is that we want you to, we want you to uh, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are. <clears throat> Make sure when you're in Cleveland that you still say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. You know, don't, don't, get so, don't get so comfortable in Cleveland that you forget your manners and that you forget your southern hospitality. Don't. That's, what, that's what Peter is saying here. Listen, you're, 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 you're here in, in the culture, but don't get so comfortable that you forget that you have been called. You're a different kind of person. You're a different kind of person now that you are in Christ. Now this matters because, as we're talking about throughout Lent, how does God go about changing the world? Does God change the world by how many protest marches we are a part of? Now listen, you can be a part of protest marches. Uh, Some of them I think are very good. But is that how God ultimately, now I'm not talking about how a particular law might get changed or a particular you know, I'm talking about systemic change of the world. How does God change the world? Does God change the world uh, based off of how many arguments you win on Facebook? You know, does God change the world uh, based off of uh, who we as uh, a society vote into the White House? Is that how God changes the world? I would suggest that the answer is no. That that's not how God changes the world. And as we discussed last week, what what we came to is this place that God ultimately changes the world through God's presence. God is taking this thing somewhere. God is taking humanity and, and earth somewhere. And so God changes the world through God's presence. Now here's here's the beauty of it. The great revolution that is taking place begins with a group of people who are actually learning how to enter into God's presence and then go forth and reflect God's presence. And I want to suggest to you that this is a a segment of that people right here in this room tonight. What we do here on Saturday nights 
And, and I even tonight, I'm, I'm, I want to give a little bit of an apologetic for why we even bother with getting together like this and worshiping together uh, uh, on a Saturday night because, or, or maybe one day on a Sunday morning, uh, who knows how this works out, but why do we do this? Why do we even do these kinds of things? Uh, because there was a time not very long ago, you know, I've, I, I've been now, somehow it just, I, I've been in full-time ministry now for 18 years. Again, I started when I was eight. Um, but for, for 18 years now doing this, and, and you know what happens along the way is you, you I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to, I, I love what we're doing here as a church because we get to know one another's journey more and more as we go along. But there have been numerous times over the 18 years, especially about uh, five or six years ago, where, where I just kind of took a, a complete nosedive and, and started questioning everything about my faith, everything about God, everything about church. I mean, it was a complete time of total deconstruction for me, which is really hard when you're also trying to pastor. You know, like most people go through a time of deconstruction and they just like sit on the sidelines and, and leave church for a while. Uh, when you're a pastor, <laughs> it's weird, you know, and, and then like, but there was a lot of questioning, like, why do we even do this? And, and I feel like the spirit of God has started to lead me back to some very strong convictions as to why and i'll share some of that with you tonight but it begins here when if we're going to actually engage with the holy spirit and we're going to see uh, change come about if we're going to see the spirit of god impact people in and around us and primarily our focus is mid-city i mean this is this is this is where we feel god has 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 planted us and so when it comes to this, how do we begin uh, as we are learning to experience the presence of God and then furthermore go and reflect the presence of God? There, there is a particular look. You know, faithful presence is what we're calling this over the next couple of weeks. Faithful presence. It names the reality that God is actually present in the world. So first and foremost, may we never forget that God is present. Where? Well, everywhere. And then we say, well, I know that. God's present everywhere. No, may we become the kind of people that become so aware that we understand that in every single conversation you have with every single person that walks the planet, may we come so in tune with what God is doing that we understand that that is a holy space and place. Oh, so you're talking, you know, the, you're, you're at uh, Monkey Monkey and, and there's, a, there's a counter and the, it, the counter separates you from the barista. But may we come to understand that there's, there's you and there's the counter and there's the barista. And in this space right here, in this conversation, in, in, our, in our interactions is this incredible presence of the Spirit of God that is, that is, it, that is calling forth life out of people that is inviting people to something beautiful and something meaningful and something passionate and something loving and something deep. And may we, may we understand that you don't even have to actually say, you know, you don't have to feel like you have to witness or whatever. It, maybe you grew up that way, but just cooperating with what God is doing. And it, it, it could be any number of, of ways of just blessing what God is doing and blessing people, but understanding that God is always present. You see, God has always, always, always been present with his people. Go back to Genesis 1. You start in the Garden of Eden. It's a story about presence. There, there, there's, in that particular story, there's a man, there's a woman, and there's God. 
presence. God is present to people. The story of Abraham. God is present to Abraham. God makes himself known to Abraham in his presence and says, I will go with you. Uh, the story of Moses. God makes God's self present to Moses and then to the Israelites. And then we find later on when the Israelites are wandering through the desert and Moses says, listen, we're going to wander through the desert, but we'll go. But whenever we go, make sure that you go with us, because if you don't go with us, he says, what separates us from everyone else? So if you're not going with us, God, don't even send us, is what Moses basically says. And so, God, I'll go with you. I'm a God of presence. I'm I'm with you. And so they have the tabernacle, the the tent of meeting, and that's where where God dwells. And then we move move further through the Old Testament, and Solomon builds a temple. And the temple is the place where God dwells, and God's presence is with the people. And finally, what happens is Jesus comes, and Jesus is known as Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus comes in the flesh and says, Here I am. Am. From this point on, I always you will, I will now impart my spirit, and I am with you. And this is how I engage you. I engage the world with my presence. God's always been faithful with his presence. And so now we move forward, and, and what we see is we see God inviting us to now, as Jesus has gone back, to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus says, I now send the Spirit. And what I want you to do is I want you to be filled with my presence and I want you to make my presence known to the world. I want you to make my presence known. But how might we do this? I I think here's, here's where it goes for us. As the church, as the, the community of faith, and I don't really know how this works. I think there's, there's some components of, of real faith here. But I think that God becomes, in some way, shape, or form, uniquely present and visible in these spaces in ways that, that we're, we're, we're learning what God looks like. We're learning what it, what it looks like to interact with one another and to interact with the Spirit. I think God becomes very present to us because God is then sending us. You know, we gather and then we scatter. Our kids are loud tonight. We gather and then we scatter. And God's presence, and we talked about this last week, but God's presence is not always obvious in the world. Would you agree with that? I mean, you just, God's presence isn't always obvious. And so God requires a witness. God comes humbly in Jesus Christ. And now the Spirit of God comes through us. And now we are the ones who are invited and asked and called to make God obvious. Like that's, that's what, we're, that's what we're called to do. We're, 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 we're make God obvious kind of people. But the only way we can make God obvious is when we are practiced and learned in recognizing God. When, when we are practiced and learned in making ourselves available to God's presence, recognizing God's presence, learning God's presence, and then revealing God's presence. Again, God's always present. I, I, you know, but how do we grow in learning what God looks like and what that looks like in, in the very real world outside of these four walls? How do we learn it? I think, and this is, this is where it really comes down to, 
I think this is where we learn it. I was talking to my, my boys the other night. Um, I don't remember which of my sons I was, I was speaking to, but we were, we were sitting at the kitchen table and we were talking about um, you know, ways to, to interact with other people at school, ways to interact with teachers, ways to interact with other students. And, and I, I was explaining to my son, I said, you know, this house right here, this house that we live in, this is the safe place. This is home base. This is where we learn. This is where we practice. This is where, you know, we find out if our jokes are out of bounds. This is where we find out if our vocabulary, if our language, if the way we're speaking is, is in bounds or out of bounds. This is where we learn how to actually do life. You know, because I'd much rather you, in my house, I'd much rather you try out certain words or certain phrases or certain jokes. I'd much rather you try those out, try those out in our house and allow me to say, okay, that one was out of bounds. Like, that's one that we're, you know. And, and so this is kind of, this is how we do it in our, in our house. And I've even told the boys, I say, listen, there are certain words that you can, you can choose to say them. You can choose to say them. Um, and here's why mom and I don't say them. And, and this is why I encourage you not to say them. But here's one thing you need to understand. If you choose to say them outside of these walls, you need to understand it's going to come with a, a with a consequence, and certain words are going to outweigh other words. And you know, you could probably get away with saying this one or this one, uh, but you won't be able to get away with saying this one or this one. This house is a place to practice. Now, don't hear me; say, they don't walk around practicing those words at the house. The house, that's that's what it that's what this story makes it sound like I'm saying, but that's not what I'm saying because even in our house, certain words, certain words are, are off limits. Okay. Uh, but this is the place to practice, uh, you know, or, or if you want to practice, uh, we don't encourage sarcasm, but we have found that, that uh, some of our children are rather sarcastic. If you want to practice that, this is the place to do it. And if you cross the line, you can rest assured that I'm going to tell you. This is the place to practice. I would suggest that the same thing is taking place right here. I think that this is one of the most amazing gifts. As I've, as, as I've been following Jesus, as I've been learning and, and trying to figure out even this whole, this whole church thing, I think this is one of the most amazing gifts that maybe God has given us because it gives us this opportunity to practice. It gives us opportunities to practice reconciliation. It gives us opportunities to practice extending forgiveness, laying down grudges. It, it, it gives us the opportunity to practice selflessness. It gives us the opportunity to practice serving one another. It gives us the opportunity to practice praying for one another. It gives us the opportunity to practice uh, authenticity with one another. You know, where, where I come to you and I say, hey, look, I'm really struggling with this and I need prayer. Like these are kingdom of God values. It gives us place to practice kindness. It gives us place to practice sharing meals together. It gives us places to practice all these things. But the beautiful part about it is the scripture seems to say over and over again that when you engage in these things, that the spirit of God is present. Now, for me, this is, I think this is a faith-based kind of thing. Do you realize that Jesus says every time you share the meal, every time you, you break bread together, and, and, and every time you 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 engage in this together, Jesus says, I am with you. Like, I'm present. Do you actually, and this, I'm telling you what, this, the Catholics get this really, really right in a lot, a lot of ways, where Protestants have just missed the boat. 
Because they, in the Catholic Church, I mean, the, going so far as to saying that this is the actual body and this is the actual blood, um, which I, I can't personally go there, but what the, the, the true understanding is, is that God is literally present with us in this. And that is amazing. I think that is biblical. I think that is true. How much might it change our understanding, even as we share at this table together, knowing that when I go and break this bread and I hand it to Candace and now she breaks it and we hand it to Thomas and now he breaks it. And we realize that just now at the table, we have a black man and we have a white man and we have a white female and we probably have, you know, um, somebody in that group might be a Republican. And, and like all of a sudden you're like you're, you're 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 sharing this meal together and you're saying all the walls are broken down. Jesus Christ is here. And we are actually one humanity. And we, we lay aside our selfishness. We lay aside our, our grudges. We lay aside those, these things. And, and we say, Spirit of God, come. And now, as you're here, Holy, holy God, would you, would you fill us in, in ways that we might not even understand. That we might go and be present to the world around us. This is, this is cool stuff. I, I think it's cool this is amazing, really, that we have this opportunity. This is what God is doing. And I think the way faithful presence begins is with a group of people who are being restored, who are being restored, who are being saved, who are being redeemed to come into God's presence. We experience that presence, and then we move out in that presence. And here's the amazing thing. This is not just for individuals. This is for communities. This is for communities. This is what God does to a people. Because we live in a culture. Ah, oh, wow, think about this. We live in a culture that is highly individualistic. Every person for themselves. Make it on your own. This is the culture that we live in. I would suggest that this is a particular power structure of the world that we live in. It's a, it's a, it's a power, there are lots of different power structures, but this is, this is one of them. And we have a challenge as the community of faith to actually kick back against the power structures that are in place of the world. This is where Peter and Paul say, don't get so comfortable in your society. Don't get so comfortable in this, in this dog-eat-dog society. Don't get so comfortable in the society where, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and, oh, oh too bad, every, every person for themselves. Don't get so comfortable in the society where it's just, it's just me and God. Oh, we combat these power structures of the culture and do it as the community of faith. Learn what it is to actually be Christians. Learn what it is to actually be set apart. Set apart doesn't mean you don't use certain curse words. Set apart means you take on a different life. I, I think we just kind of we, we softened this. And then finally, I think that in the community of faith, what, what we're invited to is uh, this, um, this idea of, of forming a habits. This, this idea of, of learning how to see the world as it is and then to move in the kingdom of God ways as we move into 
the world around us. See, God's purpose is that our lives will be fully integrated. And so what God says is in uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says, don't you know that you are God's temple? Now remember presence, right? What happened in presence? God is present. God's present with Adam and Eve. God's present with, with Abraham, then Moses, then we have the tabernacle, and then we have the temple. And what happens in the temple? That's where God dwells. Now Paul says, listen, don't forget that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, uh, God will destroy that person. Kind of heavy phrasing. We, we could talk about that at a different time. This is the important phrase for this particular purpose. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Perhaps you've heard it said that this is, this is the temple of God. This right here. This is the temple of God. i got to take care of the temple. Okay. That is only kind of true. This is the temple of God. This right here. This is the temple. It, 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 it's, it's, it's something that God is doing with a people. God is present here. God is present when, when we are engaging and we are sharing in life together. That's why early Christians in the first century, second century, third century, like they, all they did was be together. They would eat together and they would hang out together and they would and then they were a faithful presence about in their communities as they as they spread out. The church is more than a space where we gather to affirm what we think we already believe. The church right here, this this gathering, this is where we gather together and we continually learn to submit to Christ's concrete rule in our lives. That's why I think this is so important. That's why I think Red Bean Monday is so important. See, I think Red Bean Monday is just as important as Saturday night worship. And I think Bulldog Thursday, when we go to the Bulldog and, and we share a, a beer together and a burger, I think that's just as important as when we eat red beans and rice together. And that's why I think that when we go and serve our community by cutting down trees for the elderly or, or collecting groceries for Ronald McDonald House, I think all of these things, I mean, this is all it. This is, this is because God is all present in all of it. And in all of these things, we're learning to submit to the rule of God. This is where we practice. And so when you wonder, if you do, why do we do this every week? Why are we doing this again this week? Why do I want to be a part of this? Do I want to be a part of this? We don't come here, you know, even on Saturday nights, uh, you know, hoping that myself or whoever else is teaching uh, hits it out of the park. I mean, because I can promise you that I'm only going to hit it out of the park every now and then. Um, you know, we don't come here just because, you know, maybe we will, uh, maybe we'll sing a, uh, the song that I like. or we'll, you know, Those things are important, but what ultimately what's happening is we're coming here to, to learn, once again, to submit to the presence of God, to be connected to one another, to learn from one another, to practice the disciplines that we're going to actually talk about over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about communion and how we do that here, but then how we learn to do that 
and be a faithful presence in the community. We're going to talk about reconciliation and how that takes place here in the community of faith, how we practice that here. And then we learn how to move that out in, in, into our communities and, and how we, we practice um, caring for one another and caring for the kids and, 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 and um, practicing forgiveness and all these things. And we practice these things here and we move about. And eventually, people begin to see there really is something different about those people. And it's not just that they get together uh, once a week and worship, but they actually seem to have different life habits. A friend of mine uh, sends me devotionals regularly uh, from an, the AA book. And uh, the one, one of the devotionals that uh, I was sent recently, and this is how I'm going to close uh, this particular part, but recently, the, the devotional said this, we must go, for, for those who are in Alcoholics Anonymous, we must go to AA meetings regularly. We must learn to think differently. We must change from alcoholic thinking to sober thinking. We must re-educate our minds. We must try to help other alcoholics. We must cooperate with God by spending at least as much time and energy on the AA program as we did on drinking. We must follow the AA program to the best of our ability. Yes! Do you see how important, I really think about this, how important it is in, in, in this program, Alcoholics Anonymous, to retrain one's self. We must be a part of this. We must retrain ourselves. We must learn However long we spent learning the other stuff, now we must unlearn it and learn this. This is no different than Christians. For, for however long, we, we, because we, we swim in the water of the culture. We swim in the water where holding grudges is acceptable and forgiveness is stupid. We swim in the water where repaying violence for violence is acceptable. It is the best way to go. We swim in the water where cursing others instead of blessing them is the way of life. And we must continually, because we swim in this water every day, we must continually subject ourselves to retraining. We must continually submit ourselves to one another, to the Spirit of God, to continually be living in the presence so that we might be moving in this is this is a beautiful thing and I think I really think this is why Jesus said we're gonna build a church <laughs> and we're gonna do it together and we're going to go out and I Jesus not you got it I Jesus him Jesus am going to impact and change the world my presence in you that's what we're gonna do